Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavuta, Yerdena Ozband. Our daf of the day, Masecha Ivamot, daf Tet Zion, page 16. Uh, this page, actually, as in a surprising turn of events, although it does begin with co-wives and Yibum, is actually rather rich in other stories. So we're not going to get to all of them, but I would encourage anybody who feels that they need a little break from Yevamot to kind of delve into this stuff. I think the the material is there for you to probe other topics. Um, okay, now we have a whole discussion from the very top of the daf that leads into what I want to talk about, but I'm going to give us the context. Tashma, bimei rebi dosa ben Herkinis, hutrat sarat abat lachin. So it was in the time of Rebbe Dosa ben Herkinis. Now, this again is still talking about Bichamai and acting on the Bichamai approach, but the point is, the story is that it's in the time of Rebbe Dosa ben Herkinis, and there's a, co- a co-wife of a daughter was permitted to the brothers. Shmamina asu shmamina, meaning so that we should include from this that the Bechamai approach is in fact what they did. It's in accord with their opinions that we've already discussed, right? And then the idea, so there we've got that proof. Now, the question is, the Gemara goes on to ask on this, Gufa, what about this story of Rebbe Dosim and Harkonnes? Gufa, that... Uh, it, gufa really means like itself, like guf means body, but it means like on this same discussion that we've just been having on itself. So there you go, Yerdena. You know how right you were that at the time of Rabbi Dosa ben Herkunis, this is when Chazal allowed, they permitted the co wife of a daughter to marry a brother, to marry the brothers, right? And the the Gemara here says that this was difficult for the rabbis. This was difficult for the rabbis. And now this is why we're going to understand, you know, I, I've just now given your Dana full credit for understanding that, you know, the rabbis had a hard time with some of these cases, or if not all of these cases, really it's a little bit more complicated than that. Of course, of course. Because Dosef and Horkinus was a big chacham. He was a big wise man. He was a scholar. So what happens? It says that he was a great sage, and he decided, and the fact that he ruled in accord with Beit Shammai was a big deal. But they had this challenge, and literally, it was difficult for them. What was difficult? They could not go talk to him about it because he, at this point, he was already um, quite elderly. And it says here, his eyes, veinav kamum lavo his his eyes. Um, his eyes were dimming or dimmed so that yeah, he, was he, was, no longer, he was losing his eyesight as an older person. He was losing his eyesight, but I think it's also, you know, it's sometimes this is used as a euphemism, right? To say that like he, he couldn't really handle, I don't know, maybe he just physically couldn't get to the, to the Beit Midrash. Maybe I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I feel like why couldn't they have just gone to him if the issue was that he couldn't get to the Beit Midrash? So in any case, what happens is they were going to, Go clarify. They they do eventually say, let's go clarify um, what he, you know, with to him, right? Amar, who's going to go and talk to him about the fact that he needs to explain this, elaborate on this a little bit more? Amar lehen Rabbi Yoshua, ani So Rabbi Yoshua says, I'll go. Vacharavmi. And they say, well, who will go after him? Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. They decide that the Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is going to go. Now, you will call. And this is really preparation for Pesach. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah was known at this time still, he was still a young man, 
right? And he was known for that youth, for that youth. And they say Rabbi Akiva, and so then the so you know, on the one hand, he was this great sage, and it's always brought in the context of like, but despite the fact that he was so young, and then this is the line in the Haggadah, this is why I say Pesach, Hareani Kivin Shivim Shana. It was like I was seven years old. Why like? Why not just say you were seven years old? And the answer is because maybe he wasn't because he was actually quite young well, and his hair, story goes, his hair turned white overnight. Yeah. Well, right. Remember, that's the Gemara in Brachos on Dav Chavzayin Chavchet. I would never have remembered the number, but yes, exactly. Rabbi Akiva. And so then they say, and who's going to go after Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria? And they say, Rabbi Akiva. So now we have here, you know, this this group of, of rabbis who are going to come talk to, to Dosa ben Hercules. They come and they stand by at the entry of his house. And his maidservant goes into the house. Amralo, they say, he, she says to, to him, she said, the maidservant says to, to Dozeb and Horkinus, the rabbis have come to see you. So they, he says, let them come in. And in fact, they come in. So then, so he, Rabbi Joseph ben Horkunus, grabs Rabbi Yoshua. Now, the the question is that we know that they already know each other, but is that because like he's the first one he could reach? Is it because they really knew each other and so he's you know being more friendly? They sit him down on a bed of gold, right? The the background to this, and perhaps we should have started with a with a who's who, is that Rabbi Joseph himself was quite wealthy. And, you know, this is the luxurious place that he's plunking Rabbi Yoshua down in his house. So Rabbi Yoshua says to him, you know, tell the other student also so that he could sit too. Amarlo, mihu. And he says, who? Rabbi Dosa ben Horkin says, who is he? Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria. They answer Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria. Amar v'yeslo ben Lazaria chavireinu. And so Rabbi Dosa, I feel like this is like Jewish geography, right? Like amongst Chazal. So Rabbi Dosa says, wait, our, our colleague Azaria has a son? Now, either that means he's been gone from the Beit Midrash for so long that he doesn't didn't know about Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria, who, again, was quite young, or, I mean, so it doesn't mean that he was gone for that long if he, if he just didn't get the word of it, but it's surprising to me that he would not have heard of Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria because of his own stature. But this question of, you know, does Azaria, does Azaria have a son is an interesting kind of funny kind of question. So then Rabbi Dozer ben Hercules says about Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria, Kara alav hamikra hazeh, nar hayiti gam zakanti velo raiti tzadik de'azav, v'zaro mevakesh lachem. Right, so this is a verse that people know it from Birkat HaMazon, from the end of Birkat HaMazon. I was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. It's a verse from Tehillim, Lama Zion, chapter 37. Um, or Mizmor 37, if you prefer. So in any case, meaning this, this is, this, Rav Dosa ben Horkinus is the one who applies this verse to describe Rosa ben Azaria. And the point being, being that here we have a Torah scholar, Elazar ben Azaria, who is the son of a Torah scholar, meaning Azaria, who is the colleague of Dosa ben Horkinus to begin with. And the idea that the children are never seen Begging for bread, meaning that they are following in the, that they are nourished, let's say, from the same thing that nourished the parents, which is, in fact, in this case, Torah, not physical bread. So then he, you know, grabs him and sits him down on the same, on the bed of gold. And so then they say, Rabbi Yehoshua says again, like, you know, 
Call your other students. Let him sit down. Amar lo, umihu. And who is he? Akiva ben Yosef. Amar lo, atahu Akiva ben Yosef. So what happens? They identify the third person with them as Rabbi Akiva. And, and Rabbi Dosa ben Herkin says to him, you are Akiva ben Yosef? Meaning everybody's heard of Rabbi Akiva by this point. So which gives us like a, we can make a nice timeline here of like how old Rabbi Elizabeth Azari is to be this young and how known, how old Rabbi Akiva must be to, to have been this known. Shave b'ni shave. And Rabbi Dosa says to Rabbi Akiva, sit bini, sit my son, sit, right? May there be many more of you. May there be multiple, multi, may you multiply in Israel, right? Meaning that people should be like you, you, Rabbi Akiva, who's, you know, so known in this Torah. Okay. So now, and this is like, again, I say it's like a little Jewish geography. We've got this whole backdrop of how they came to visit him. me. And so rather than like delve into the question that they want to clarify, they start talking about halacha, you know, just like, you know, shooting the breeze, but in, in lumdus, in learning, in learning halacha. And eventually they circled around to the case of the co-wife of the daughter. And they asked him, what's the case of the co-wife of the daughter? Now he's given the example, the answer that exactly we want to hear, right? Meaning he answers exactly what we know. Namely, this is a machloket between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Halacha me, they ask, right? Who, who do we paskin by? Amar lahen, and Rabbi Dosa ben Herkin says, Halacha kaveit Hillel, which is, of course, what we know. Everybody's supposed to be paskin like Beit Hillel as a... began today with a discussion of Rabbi Dosa ben Herkin who's paskin like Beit Shammai which was exactly their question. Amru, halacha kaveit shamai. So then they say to him, hello, but didn't they, everybody saying in your name, they said in your name that you already said that the halacha was in the name of Beit Shammai. Amar lahem. So he says to them, dosa shamatim, obed herkinus shamatim. Did you hear that dosa ben herkinus said this? Or did you hear just quote ben herkinus? And I feel like, oh my goodness, it's going to be a, a case of mistaken identity. Amru lei, they said to him, Chayai Rebbe, Stam Shamanu. And they said, We just heard Ben Horkinus. We didn't hear Dosa. So he says, Amarlehem, he says to them, Achkatani Well, I have his younger brother, Bachor Satanhu, who is the firstborn of the Satan, which is such like, what a punchy line, right? Meaning the Talk idea about is sibling rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that the language here is to say that he's very sharp, he's brazen, right? Like the idea that like there's a personality description calling his brother. I, I don't know that it quite means that he's evil, right? It doesn't have that that non-Jewish connotation of a devil, but it does have this thing of like being an antagonist, I guess. The Yonatan Shmo. And his yeah, name it is. It sounds huh? like, can I, sorry to interrupt you. I think it sounds like he's kind of the personality who like always likes to argue the opposite, right? Like he, he's admitting that his arguments are good, but it's like, don't get into an argument. Like he, he knows how to argue and he can do it well. And not only that, Yonatan Shmo, who me tell me day, Shammai, he aligns himself with this, with the students of Beit Shammai. So he's the one meaning. Ben Herkinus, not Dosa Ben Herkinus, is the one who gave this psak that the co-wife of the daughter is is allowed because 
It wasn't even this. It wasn't even Rebbe Dosa, right? That's that's the bottom line. And so then he says, Rebbe Dosa ben Hurkinus goes on to say, the he's haru, be careful, shelo yikapeach etchem behalachot, and don't let um don't let him, don't let my brother, you know, pound you with halachot. Why? Lefi sheyish imos shlosh meot shuvot betzarat abad shehimuteret, because he will give you. 300 proofs about how the co-wife of the daughter is in fact permitted. Now remember, Rabbi Joseph and Horkinus himself just said she's not permitted, meaning he's not accepting the, these 300 proofs. But he says, like, don't even get into it with my brother, which I think, Yardin, is exactly the personality that you're describing, right? Aval, ani alai shamayim ba'aretz zo yashav chagai hanavi va'amar shlosha I'm, I'm going to go back and explain before I go too far, right? So, and then he says, but don't worry about this, meaning I will call, I will swear, I will tell you before with heaven and earth as my witness, right? That, that you know, here at this very house, Haggai the prophet, now keep in mind, Haggai the prophet is the very end of the time of prophecy. And he has, so Rabbi Dosa ben Horkinus, who at this point is quite old, is saying that he has a tradition that goes back to Haggai, Haggai Anavi, the prophet, and he said three things of halacha. Namely, the first of those three things is that this position that Bid Hillel takes is exactly the tradition that goes back, going back to Chagai, right? And then the second, and this is now a tangent, right? But that is the, the when you end up in the territories of Ammon and Moab, which nowadays we think of as a Jordan, really, right? That even though it's similar to Eretz Israel, they're not really exactly the same. So when they come to take Maser Ani, um, they do it, they end up doing it, Maser Ani Bishvi'it, they end up doing it in the seventh year, in the Shemitah year. And he says, and the third statement by Haggai is that we accept the converts from the Karduyin and the Tarmudim, which I'm going to hold off on explaining because I know you're Dana, you're going to jump to it. But I just want to say like the end of our little scenario here, so then the Gemara goes on to say, like, when they came, they all came through that one entrance, and they left They left through three entrances. What does it mean that they left through three entrances? They're all looking now to find Rabbi Dosa's brother. And then, Pagabo Rabbi Akiva. Pagabo bi Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva finds him, or he finds Rabbi Akiva. And, and Yonatan ben Herkunis raised all of these objections that he had to the opinion of Beit Hillel, and he and he Vaukme and he Rabbi Akiva uh, withstood them, you know, stood up to them. Meaning, Rabbi Akiva was able to answer all of these complaints against the opinion of Beit Hillel that this very sharp, uh, you know, um, antagonist brother was able to raise. So at the end of the day, you know, Rabbi Akiva's defending the position of Beit Hillel. Amarlo, and then in the end, Yonatan ben Horkinus gets angry and says, "Atahu Akiva Shishimcha left me so far alone, but so far you're the Rabbi Akiva whose name goes from one end of the world to the other. Ashrecha shezachita l'Hashem, you should be happy that you have a great name. Va'adayin lo higatel roe bakar, and you have not yet reached the level of the cattle herders, meaning the cattle herders like we're not. It's again, it's like very sharp language to say, you know, they the cattle herders were like." Like just regular people, right? They weren't experts in halacha. They might not be literate, that kind of thing. You know, like 
don't think that you're so great that the cattle herders would have heard of you because I'm telling you they haven't. It's that kind of like, you know, you think you're so you think you're so great, but really you're not. And then Rabbi Kiva, who in general, we understand him to be a fairly modest person. We see, we see that with other Rabbi Kiva stories. And he says, like, I haven't, re- you know, a not forget about the cattle herders. I haven't even reached the level of the shepherds, meaning, you know, that the shepherds seem to be even worse than the cattle herders in terms of, in terms of, you know, how, how knowledgeable they're going to be. So this idea, like, instead of being offended, let's say, Rabbi Kiva kind of joins him and accepts the insult to say, like, yeah, you're right, you know, I'm not so great, which sounds perfectly in line with Rabbi Kiva, as does the fact that he just wiped the floor with him, meaning Rabbi Kiva won this debate. So the fact that he has to, like, stoop to name-calling, you know, like, it, it doesn't mean anything anymore because Rabbi Kiva knew what he was talking about in halacha. So who cares if the, right, meaning... <laughs> I, I just find like I find the interaction in this particular particular Gemara to be, you know, somewhere between a soap opera and a sitcom, and and very riveting because and it tells us the halacha right and why there would be this machloka to begin with, which I think is also very helpful. Right, but it's it's first of all I agree with you. It's very riveting. Like you could picture it out as a movie or a TV show, um, but also I think what's interesting is remember this is coming off of almost a daf and a half of trying to prove did Beit Shammai get to act like Beit Shammai? And the top of the daf is basically saying, yes, it did. Mendoza followed it. And then you have this whole brace of basically brought to be like, yeah, maybe you did, but really you shouldn't have. Like, it, oh, it undoes the proof that it settles on. It's, it's the, the Gemara is very determined to show that we don't follow Beit Shammai. Correct. Yes, that seems to be like, Beit Shammai might follow Beit Shammai, but don't anybody else. Right. It, it, it's very clear that that's what's happening here. Uh, I'm going to move on to something else later in the DAF, which was of these three rulings of Haggai, uh, the prophet, and where he says, right? We can accept converts from the Kardumim and the uh, and the Tarmodim. And so the Gemara wants to, you know, questions this. Ini v'hatani Rami Barichaskel emekablim geiramin hakarduim, right? Uh, Rami Barichaskel says we don't accept converts from the kardumim. So the Gemara answers Amar Ravashi kardumim itmar, right? That actually this is a different word than what Yechaskel was using, right? One is kardunim, right, with a dalid, and really what was stated here by Rami, what was stated by Rami Barichaskel was kar. Duim, which is with a tough. So uh, it's really talking about two different groups of people. And then kids Amar Inchi, right? And now they bring another statement, Karduim Psulim, that these this other group are really they're considered to they're 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 pasul. Um, meaning they're they're and what they mean by being pasul is that these were categories of people who actually were some type of moms there and therefore they were not allowed to marry uh, regular uh, Jews. Uh, then they have another discussion here of Iki to Amri. There are some that say, Tani Rami Bar We don't accept converts from the Kartumim. My love, Hanu Kartumim, Hani Karduim. Now, and asking the same question, wait, are these the same group of people? One with the tough, one with the Dalit, right? And so the Gemara answers, Amar Ravashi, Lo, Kartuye Lechud, Vakarduye Lechud, right? There are actually two different groups of people. Kids Amri Inish, Kartuye Peace, peace lame, right? And then again, quoting this. Uh, now they're going to talk about this group of the um, Tar Modim, 
right? Rabbi Yochanan v'sabia the Amri Travai. So Rabbi Yochanan and Sabia both said, We don't take converts from the Tarmodim. And then now the Gemara has a contradiction here. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? We have a, a Mishnah here, and this is a Mishnah that we find in Nida, Masach Nida, on page 56b. Any stains that are on a garment that comes from Rechem or Tahor. So what's going on here is Rechem was a city that basically had non-Jews on it. And non-Jewish menstrual blood is not going to be considered Tameh, which is very interesting. So if you had a garment, and I, I also found this to be sociologically interesting. I mean, any of us who menstruate, me being one of them, like, you would never like give a garment to somebody that had blood on it. So I, I, I just thought this was a really interesting <laughs> in the sense of like, I think clothes were not as clean as they are today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, so, but the idea is, is that because they weren't Jews and this city, you basically could assume primarily had non-Jews, uh, they, they're not considered to be Tame if you had a cloth from them that had this type of stain on it. Rabbi Yehuda says they're Tame because actually the people who lived in Rechem, they're not non-Jews. They were converts to Judaism. They were converts to Judaism, but they abandoned, you know, they, they didn't follow uh, Jewish law anymore. And so the idea is they're actually Jewish. They're just not practicing as Jews anymore. But if you know that it is a, a cloth from some an actual idolater, then it would be Tachor, And we analyze this, we're analyzing the Mishnah's last ruling here, right? And it goes on to say, Kapiske, right? Uh, the, the Mishnah says very clearly, Vitani, right? These stained garments that are from the idolaters, right? They're Tachor, Tarmord, right? And this would include even Tarmord. So the Mishnah doesn't seem to make an exception to the rule about Tarmord. And therefore, it must be that people from Tarmord also had to be idolaters. In other words, if they were Jewish, then it would be problem. They would be considered to be Tame. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, and based on this, Rabbi Yochanan said, Zotamer Mikhail Tarmod. And so this would indic- this would basically say that we do accept converts from Tarmod. So it, this seems to contradict Rabbi Yochanan's statement from before that we don't accept t- converts from Tarmod. So now the Gemara needs to solve this. What you might say is what Rabbi Yochanan meant. Zot, meaning this ruling that the these stained garments from Ovdeh Kochavim or Tahor, right, shows that we actually can accept converts from Tamard. But Rabbi Yochanan doesn't actually agree with this, right? He actually, maybe he doesn't hold according uh, to the Mishnah that converts cannot be accepted. Vaha'ama Rabbi Yochanan Mishnah. But we know this can't be a solution because Rabbi Yochanan, and this is just an interesting halakhic principle, right, always follows the anonymous Mishnah. So he can't disagree with, with he can't disagree basically with the Mishnah's uh, ruling. So now they're going to give another one, another solution, Amurei Minhu Ba'aliba de Rabbi Yochanan. There's a disagreement between the Amurayim as to what Rabbi Yochanan actually said. So uh, that maybe really there's just two opinions of Rabbi Yochanan sort of floating around and two different Amorayim have an opinion of Rabbi Yochanan. And so in a way, what they're basically saying is they don't even actually need to sort of 
find a way to resolve this. I always find that to be an interesting solution uh, when the Gemara uh, gets to that, you know, because it's sort of like, how do you know that that it just must be? It's like, it's sort of, to me, that's like a very default solution. And then the Gemara wants to know why weren't they accepted? Me tarmod my time alone. So there seems to be a machlokas between Rabbi Yochan and Sabia. One says that they were not accepted of converts because they were Solomon's slaves. So what does this mean? It's that basically the slaves of Shlomo HaMelech, of King Solomon, were very wealthy and they actually would marry regular Jewish women um, and their children would live in Tarmod and really consider themselves to be non-Jews as their fathers. Uh, but really, their Jew, their children were considered to be mamzerim um, because uh, if a slave, uh, you know, has a child with a Jew, uh, that that's not considered to be an okay union. So the Chadam are Mishum Benot Yisrael. One says that no, actually, they were from the Benot Yisrael. So the Gemara asks the obvious question: Mishum Shlomo. Okay, the Avdei Shlomo opinion makes sense because Sabra Ove Kochabim. Right, because you know we understand that if an idolater of Evid or or a slave, Habal Bat Yisrael Havlad Mamzer, who has relations with a, you know, with a with a Jewish woman, that child is going to be Mamzer. How could Benot Yerushalayim be a problem? So now we'll have another machlokas between Rav Yosef and Rabbanan. Um, and both of them, okay, say their opinion in the name of Rabbi Barbachana. Hanamar Tracer Alfei Gavre, Vishita Alfei Kashute. One said the problem was created by 12,000 footmen and 6,000 archers. The Hanamar Tracer Alfei Gavre, Uminu Shita Alfei Kashute. And one says it was by 12,000 men, 6,000 of whom were archers. But the point here is, and that's what's interesting, it's like the Machlokas is over the numbers. I don't quite understand how they would know this at all. But they're talking about the destruction of the first temple here. When the Ovde Kochabim, when the idolaters went into the sanctuary, Hakol Nifnu Al Kesab Everybody was paying attention to the gold, silver and gold. Behem Nifnu Al Benot Yushalayim. And they turned their attention to Jaz Jerusalem. Now, they don't identify who the Hakol is. I actually think that Hakol is talking about the Jewish people and saying like they were more worried about the contents of what was happening to the temple. They did their own people. And so therefore what happened? Basically the Benot Yerushalayim, uh, you know, they were basically, they were basically taken by these soldiers. And so here they quote a pasuk that said, uh, they, they quote a pasuk here um, from uh, Eicha, chapter 5, verse 11, that says they ravaged women in Zion, uh, maidens in the towns of Yehuda. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, it, it, it's sort of, and this is why Tarmod are, you know, the, the Tarmodim are not really accepted. We're going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. It's going to get into some interesting bottom of this stuff, but I'm going to save it for tomorrow about the 10 tribes. But I, I think what we see interesting here is, you know, there's sort of an acknowledgement that like the Jewish lineage has not always been kept intact, that we have been subject to, you know, uh, uh, violation because of, you know, being, uh, you know, with by Risham, for example, by being overtaken and, and what happens to women in those types of the violence that often we see that unfortunately in today's world that's perpetrated towards women in war. Um, it's interesting that this discussion shows up here in Masachat Yevamot, where 
the theme of this mitzvah is about maintaining the lineage of the brother. And so now we're going to have a few dapim that get into a discussion about uh, lineage that we maybe can't necessarily trust so well. Uh, so I, I just found the placement in this masachah to, to also make a little bit of sense. Uh, yeah, I was thinking that also. Like, this make I, I don't know that it had to be this do, this particular page is a different page. That I don't know that I would have gotten to, except for, of course, the statements of, of Chagai Hanavi. But, um, but yes, it made perfect sense to me that it'd be in the discussion, like the, the bigger picture discussion of what's happening with Yibum and, and lineage. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.